Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, you're listening to the Future Tech Podcast. Uh, this is Richard Jacobs. My guest today is Gregory Kuhn, a co-founder and COO of Metabiomics. Dot com. It's M-E-T-A-B-I-O-M-I-C-S dot com. Greg, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. It's uh, an absolute pleasure to take part in the podcast. Yeah, thanks for coming. So um, first question, you know, tell us about Metabiomics. What do you guys do there? What's the, pr- the premise of the company? Metabiomics is a pioneer in microbiome diagnostics. For the last 15 years, we've been de- developing some of the tools and techniques for analyzing the human gut microbiome. And since uh, the invention of some of the original tools, we've been intensely focused on applying those tools to diagnosing gut health um, maladies. Most importantly, um, we are working on the prediction uh, and prevention of colorectal cancer. Why um, the focus on colorectal cancer in particular? Well, so early on, metabiomics, um, like I said, is has been um, from a stool sample. We've been analyzing the gut microbial uh, community of, of patients and characterizing healthy patients with disease state patients. And it turns out that in um, the case of colorectal cancer, uh, one of the you know one of the precursors of colorectal cancer is is a state of uh, of, of chronic inflammation that's associated with the uh, the growth of small colon polyps and these. These small polyps um, over time 
um, and in and in the condition of uh, gut dysbiosis, developed uh, eventually into adenocarc adenocarcinomas. And so, <clears throat> you know, it was there's a very clear need in the case of colon cancer as well uh, for a non-invasive test. Uh, in order to um, hopefully detect those polyps not invasively, um, and then you perform a colonoscopy, and if you remove those polyps with a polypectomy, you can prevent cancer altogether. So it really was identifying a need um, in, in in human health for uh, the application of our technology. And we've also been working intensely on inflammatory bowel disease um, and also um, in other um microbiome-related gut health problems. So what do you see when you analyze people, you know, their microbiome? How early in the process are you able to get clues that they may be headed for, towards colorectal cancer? Um, that is a um, definitely one of the key value propositions of our test um, that, we're, that we're developing is the early detection um, and, and prevention of the pre precursors to colon cancer. And um, so it can take almost 10 years for a small um, polyp to develop all the way into a carcinoma. Sometimes it happens much faster, um, but in any case, um, we do have the unique characteristic as, of, of the most, you know, it, it is really the most accurate way of detecting colon polyps non-invasively. So there are other existing non-invasive tests out on the market that, um, are able to detect colon cancer um, and, and also very advanced adenomas and dysplasias, um, but but generally the, the most prominent tests are FIT tests and FOBT tests, uh, fecal immunochemical and fecal blood tests, and those those tests are sensitive to blood in the stool. And the the problem with that approach is that it there are a lot of um, adenomatous polyps that that don't bleed and so but you want to you want to be able to detect all of them and remove all of them in order to really deliver on the um, cancer prevention value proposition and what we're doing is actually character it's sort of a we're, we're we're actually analyzing the gut microbes as a way of characterizing the general health of the gut epithelial lining the mucosa and through doing that um, the microbiome analysis essentially serves as a proxy for um, <clears throat> for, for a healthy versus a diseased state uh, gut, and, um, but, and and so we, we also deploy uh, you know advanced statistical methods, machine learning methods um, in order to uh, perform a di dimensionality reduction in order to make to tease a signal from the noise, and, um, and and so it's really kind of a combination of the advanced computational tools uh, in combination with our DNA sequencing tools that we've developed that, that enables um, the assay to be developed. Well, I don't want you to give away your secret sauce, but what do you see? How do you know that someone has a polyp? How do you know that someone, their gut is headed in the wrong direction? Mm -hmm. Like, what are some things that you see when you analyze? Um, well, so the key, the key thing is that we're, we're doing rigorous clinical research um, in order to compare people with, with polyps versus the people that, that don't have polyps. And in order to do that, we are getting a, a full colonoscopy on every single patient that's enrolled in our studies. So we have, uh, you know, a very, very, uh, you know, nicely uh, set up 
case control study where we where we enroll the patients they come in we take a stool sample we do the uh, we, we do the DNA sequencing and the microbiome analysis um, on all the samples and comparing with the colonoscopy re results we have a, a very strong um, you know normal population because those are basically all the colonoscopy negative patients and so <clears throat> comparing those with with patients that have colon polyps, we're able to actually, you know, using the machine learning tools, we, we essentially have developed a, a signature for the presence or absence of the colon polyps. And it really is actually a, an analysis of the entire microbial community. So, and it's not as simple as there being specific microbes that are the indicators of colon polyps. It's really the, the presence of some microbes and the absence of others and kind of the, the machine learning tools and the, the AI tools, dimensionality tools um, we use to, to, you know, to take a 30,000-foot 30, view of the microbial community. Um, it's that view that's actually, like, you know, much more complex than, than is comprehensible by a human mind. Um, it's, it's that model that actually is um, ultimately become the model for uh, predicting whether a patient has colon polyps or not. How difficult of a problem is this? Um, has it been really tough for you guys to solve? And the reason why I ask is, um, mm -hmm. for instance, I've heard that people tend to only have maybe 5% of their bacteria in common with other people, and there's thousands of different species and strains. So how do you find mm -hmm. the signal in the noise? It sounds really complicated. Yeah. It, it is, it, and it, it does. It, it takes some heavy lifting computationally, and it and it takes you know rigorous clinical research, and it has you know taken us years to uh, in order to develop a, a model that's sensitive to colon polyps. Um, but but it is actually you know it is a situation where um, ultimately the signal is loud enough, and 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 disease state patients um, have a microbiome that's disrupted quite dramatically. Uh, that it was, it, it is a bit of a low hanging. It was a low hanging fruit in terms of application for this technology, um, because the, the the communities are actually are pre pretty dramatically different ultimately um, between disease state patients and um, and healthy patients. So just so we're able to actually you know t uh, derive derive a signal um, despite all the noise of the variability between different people's uh, microbiomes. There is a common signature. Um, additionally, there's <clears throat> there's a stable component to the microbiome and and a highly variable component of the microbiome. So <clears throat> um, there is there is a component to the microbiome that rapidly fluctuates based on diet. And then there's a, there's a component of the microbiome that is is somewhat stable over time and has been kind of and that component I think is um, you, know, you know certainly um, where a lot of our um, a lot of our signature is is found um, and so that's how kind of how we get around that problem. There's there there's a microbiome that kind of you know there are species that kind of for example create the the you know the structure of uh, of the mucosa. And there are species that get disrupted when the mucosa is breaking down to the extent that, um, you know, we're, we're able to have high sensitivity for colon cancer. Inflammatory bowel disease is another one that we're able to have very high sensitivity to. 
um, just because the microbiome is so dramatically disrupted in those cases. Um, but but these problems really are, you know, they're also um, they're also very difficult to diagnose using other methods. So it is kind of a breakthrough um, in that um, you know we we have this new method for an easy to use stool stool sample kit, um, and we're getting such um, high resolution and high sensitivity to these gut health diseases. So what are the biggest um, or best tools in someone's mm-hmm. arsenal, or, or what are the things that affect the microbiome the most? You know, I've learned antibiotics can radically change radically change the microbiome. Um, you know, what about what about diet? What what factors seem to affect uh, what's in someone's gut dramatically? Um, yeah, so all the all those things. I mean, there's been an, an absolute explosion in the field over the last 15 years. Um, and you know the, the tools have just been incredible. Um, uh, you know we deploy 16s uh, RNA sequencing, um, which is today considered kind of a low resolution, one of the lower resolution tools. But for for what we're developing, you know that's that's a cost effective way of developing a test that will be suitable for the healthcare system and that will have the biggest impact. And it absolutely is sensitive is sensitive enough as we've demonstrated um, for diagnosing the, these diseases. Um, but to get, get back to your question, like what causes these diseases, um, that, that sort of is a matter of a, a whole lot more research, um, and, it's, and it's super exciting. I mean, it, yeah, it absolutely is, is diet um, and antibiotics and all of those things. Um, colon cancer actually, for example, is really a, a disease of, of the West. Um, People in Africa don't get colon cancer, um, and that's that's been uh, it's been speculated that that's because um, the African diet is, is super high in fiber, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Additionally, um, <clears throat> one of the one of the uh, areas of uh, fastest growing uh, uh, prevalence of colon cancer is in China, and that's actually been directly correlated with. Uh, the adoption of a more Western diet in the more populous cities in China, and there, and there, there's been kind of a direct correlation with increasing rates of colon cancer. Um, I mean, globally, there's you know um, 137,000 new cases every year, and 56,000 deaths uh, due to colon cancer. Um, but, but uh, you know, the, the vast majority, a, a whole lot, a lot of those deaths are take take place disproportionately in Europe and the U.S., um, where there's kind of also been in, kind of an, an epidemic of uh, diabetes and obesity and other kind of uh, diet and metabolism-related diseases. So, how would I become your customer, for instance? What do you, what product or service do you provide? You, mm-hmm. you tell me you found this signature. Who do you work with, and what do you do to help them? What we're doing is we're developing a menu of tests that will be available um, at your gastroenterologist or at your primary care physician's office, and these tests um, will will be available through kind of the you know through the normal healthcare uh, channels, and they'll be there to help diagnose uh, inflammatory bowel disease, irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, and help with colon cancer screening. So everyone in the U.S. over age 55 is recommended to uh, to do a colonoscopy every 10 years. And in addition, uh, a non-invasive test 
every one to two years because there are interval cancers that pop up in between colonoscopy. Uh, and additionally, the, you know, colon cancer is starting to become more prevalent in younger younger patients. So what we're going to bring to the market is a, is a low-cost, highly accurate um, screening test that will augment colonoscopy. So you get, you get our non-invasive test every one to two years, and then you get a you still get a colonoscopy every ten years, but uh, a positive result positive result in our test can kick you into a colonoscopy earlier, so that you can get a polypectomy and interrupt the uh, the advancement of uh, of colon cancer, um, and also get you into treatment better treatments for uh, inflammatory bowel disease and um, irritable bowel syndrome and other diseases. And we're also you know we're going to kind of expand our menu. As we uh, continue to perform um, the uh, rigorous clinical research, um, and, and that's that's one thing that sets us apart is we're doing um, we're doing these clinical the clinical research to really be able to um, demonstrate the effectiveness of our of our tests and uh, have, make a big impact by getting them integrated into the into the health health into the health system. All right. Um, what stage are you guys at? I mean, you know, have you approached gastroenterologists? Are they excited about this? Mm-hmm. Are they pushing back and saying it's it's not real medicine? I mean, what kind of reactions are you getting? Um, we've been working directly with gastroenterologists, as I mentioned. So with um, with all our clinical research, um, getting you know colonoscopy being the gold standard, and um, at, at the, GIs are absolutely excited about this because they've known um, you know they've known about the association between the gut microbiome. And GI health um, for for decades, and it's really been. Um, and there's also been a call for you know better better tools and tests for characterizing inflammatory bowel disease and colon cancer because everyone knows that uh, colonoscopy isn't the ideal um, way to to do screening. Um, it's expensive and invasive, and actually, the U.S. is the only healthcare market that relies on colonoscopy so so heavily. Every other um, every other healthcare system in the de- in the developed world um, uses other non-invasive tools um, to do the initial screening. So everyone's very excited in uh, that we that we ever talk to. Well, another good. thing is that's that good. we're yeah we're we're another thing is that we're doing the we're doing the uh, the clinical research too. Prove the uh, the effectiveness of our of our assays. Well, um, <clears throat> what what is your treatment? I mean, you, you so you identify the signature, you can point it out, and you talked about removing polyps and all that, and that's like in the regular medical world. But do you actually mm-hmm. have a uh, a certain probiotic mix that will reduce the likelihood of cancer yep. or could get rid of polyps or you know do you have a treatment if, re- if you're even allowed to say that? Yeah, no, I'm I'm super excited about all the you know the progress um, that's being made with um, with probiotics and prebiotics and that vision. Um, however, we're you know we're focused on diagnostics um, because that we see that as the first step. So we you know we have to be able to measure the microbiome accurately first, and we've developed tools and uh, for doing that. And um, you also have to build, um, you know, data sets that are uh, from rigorous clinical studies in, in order to take that next step and, and, and develop, uh, develop uh, real cures. So, I mean, to, the, to a certain extent, the last, the first generation of probiotics was, uh, was kind of useless. Uh, and 
you know, the, even even current probiotics are, um, are are not really backed by a whole lot of evidence. It's 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 generally, um, you know, it's 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 sort of just emerging. And I mean, I mean, some people might find find it effective, but um, you, you know, really, it it takes a real rigorous um, analysis of the microbiome and um, in order to actually tailor what types of probiotics and diets are going to work for what people, because that, you know, there's, there's enough variability in people's microbiomes and their, and their diets that, um, you know, th there's no way to make a claim that any one probiotic is the right solution for that person at that point in time. So it's, yeah. I mean, part of the reason why, like my experience as a consumer, you know, you go to yeah. Walgreens, where you go to like Whole Foods and they have all these different probiotics with five strains, 10 strains, 30 billion yeah. CFU, 80 billion, C you know, I, from what I've heard, um, some of them, the way they're packaged and shipped, they may not survive. And then even if you take them, they may not be the right ones. They may not survive the stomach acid. I mean, there's, I guess, and they're not mm -hmm. personalized to you. So I guess there's a lot of reasons why uh, the current state of the art of probiotics is probably like not very effective. Yeah, the studies have just been super high level. Um, there, you know, they haven't dug in, dug in deep enough. Um, you know, and they've been like broad surveys, like the American Gut Project, where a whole bunch of different people just send in poop samples, and there hasn't been a way to really benchmark those samples against any other standard. And there's also been for the last five, five, ten years, um, there's been a whole a whole lot of fluctuation in the in the methods, um, you know, the stool sample methods, the DNA sequencing methods, the way of controlling the bioinformatics um, pipelines, the way of doing the analysis, um, and all those things have to be standardized um, in order to start getting into diagnostics level microbiome analysis. And then at that point in time, then you might have the data sets and the tool sets um, to, to, to develop, um, you know, more um scientifically backed you know cures for things um i mean there there has been some like mir mir miracle cures like so um you know and there's been some low hanging fruit like treating c diff infection with a fecal transplant um has been um shown to be kind of a miracle cure for for c diff um right. but i think that for for some of the more complex things like i mean to be able to claim for example that you have a probiotic supplement that can um, prevent colon cancer. What you're going to what you're going to need um, to be able to make that claim is thousands of patient data um, collected on uh, on colon cancer, um, and, and to a certain extent, that's what we're going to have. Um, that's what we're going to be building as we're doing colon cancer screening. Um, with our assays, we're building it. You know, we are going to be building, uh, you know, nice big databases of um, of, of, of well-controlled um, patient populations. Okay. So, <clears throat> what's your roadmap for the next year? What can people expect to see from Metabiomics? Um, we're, you know, we're we're working on, um, you know, ramping up the size um, of our our clinical studies, and then we're going to be launching services um, in the next one to two years. Um, you know, for characterizing gut health um, and working on regulatory approvals and, and things, to be order and to be able to offer um, services for um, the detection of 
uh, colon polyps and inflammatory bowel disease, irritable bowel syndrome, and others. Is there a chance for people that may be experiencing uh, polyps right now or irritable bowel disease to contact your company and to participate and maybe get in early on some kind of uh, treatment? Um, we're, yeah, we're not operating services at this point in time, um, you know, but hopefully over the next uh, year or two, uh, we will start doing that, and the, and the early way to participate will be, you know, to to participate in our in, in our clinical studies. Um, but we're not really we're not going down the road of uh, kind of operating services that um, aren't actionable or aren't backed by evidence. Um, you, you know, like some of the other companies out there uh, have 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 started to do. Um, I mean, they can provide interesting results, but um, you know, we don't really see any point of kind of giving someone. A profile of their microbiome that that is just kind of meaningless, um, and also isn't really even consistent um, between methodologies and over over time. Okay, makes sense. So, what's the best way for uh, interested parties to get in touch with you? You know, to talk to you about various ventures or to find out more about what you're doing. Through the website. Um, so, um, metabiomics.com. That's M-E-T-A-B-I-O-M-I-C-S.com. Well, very good. Um, any last thoughts on where you see this industry going over the next few years? You, know, you guys are working on some real important um, stuff. Uh, any other players you see that are going to be coming out with some big game-changing technologies? Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely going to, you know, it's an exploding field. Um, it, you know, it's, it's kind of a paradigm shift in that we're looking at uh, human health differently, um, and, and we're, we're starting to actually take the health of the microbial communities uh, inside us and on our skin a lot more seriously because we've realized that there are, you know, millions of genes uh, that are active that are producing uh, a whole lot of proteins that are uh, that are having effects on our body and our in disease and in health. Um, so there's also implications for um, the efficacy of therapeutics, uh, immuno-oncology treatment, for example. Um, is a exciting new cancer therapy that's that's been shown to be impacted by um, an individual's gut microbiome, um, and it's it's not surprising to me because I mean these microbes are are just are metabolizing everything uh, you know for us. They're incredibly it's it's incredibly micro uh, micro, uh, metabolically active. Um, right. it, they're the main thing that uh, you know that are you know just. Um, they're just doing a whole lot, like impacting development, uh, the immune system, um, the the brain, yeah, everything. Mood, and, yeah, I mean, everything. Yeah. yeah, and that's because you know all of the um, you know the interaction with the immune system and the production of uh, you know the um, neurotransmitters such as serotonin and everything else. Um, um, just because those are the you know the most dynamic. Um, Producers of chemicals and proteins in in the world. So, um, and the and the gut microbiome is the most diverse um, uh, microbial community in in the entire world. So, because um, it's it's concentrated, humans you know score the planet um, picking up new microbes, and in uh, those microbes have just found the greatest uh, you know home on Earth um, for diversifying and doing what they do. Okay, well, very good. Well, great. Thanks for coming on the call, and it's, uh, I'm glad that you know mm -hmm. companies like yours are working on this kind of stuff. I think it's really interesting and holds a lot of great promise. All right. Thanks.
Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018. The Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. <laughs>